Let's take our Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter number 16. I have had this message on my heart for a few weeks now, just to be able to, in context of what we've been looking at, we've looked at sin, we've looked at sanctification, walking with the Lord on some things that we believe, and we still believe, and it's not one of those pleasant messages that we enjoy preaching. And so just making sure to be able to get the direction from the Lord to be able to share it with us and just to remind us of this reality. We're in Luke chapter number 16. I'll begin reading in verse number 19. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom." And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I want us to come back and see there are several times throughout the New Testament that we know as we read that the Bible says that Jesus spake unto them as he taught them, and he spake in parables. And a parable would simply be a heavenly truth with an earthly example, okay? And so he was trying to teach them with physical things that was around them. As we approach Luke chapter number 16, it does not say that Jesus is teaching them a parable. Jesus does not say that he is teaching them things that are not true and are not real. But he says in verses 19 and 20, first of all, that there was a certain rich man. And then in verse number 20, there was a certain beggar. And so these two men that we are told about here are actual men. They are not just examples, but they were physical 
human beings that lived and walked and talked upon the face of this earth. Now, I'm thankful, and I have this underlined, and I've never preached it up until this point, but I underline that word in verse number 20, and there was a certain beggar. And I wrote beside that, there's no beggars in heaven. And uh, boy, aren't you thankful for that. That described his earthly condition. But then there was also a certain rich man, and may I say this, there's no wealthy people in hell. Now, I want us to look at this subject matter on we still believe in the reality of hell. The reality of hell. We live in a society today that some are beginning to deny it, but they love the, the concept and the, the thought that there is a heaven. In fact, several have taken their own beliefs and they have imagined and put into their religious beliefs what they believe that heaven will be like. And there are certain religions that if you're a martyr for that religion, then you get to populate heaven and you get your own 52 or 70 virgins, whatever it may be that they believe, and that's their version of heaven even though that's directly contrary to the word of God because the Bible says in the resurrection in heaven there is no marriage or given in marriage. So that's directly contrary to the word of God. Some religions have thought up their example and imagination of what heaven would be like and, and if you endure and you're to a certain point then you get to have your own planet and you get to be the, the God of that planet and you get to populate that planet. And I'm thinking, I've seen how this one is gone. I don't think I want to be in charge of another one. So you have religions that come up with what their version is of what heaven is going to be like. And I've, I've found out this, that most will have their thoughts and they will enjoy their imaginations of what they're thinking towards what heaven is going to be like. But can I remind us, that if the belief in the doctrine of heaven is real, then the opposite must also be real. And we read here in the Bible, the Bible says that this rich man died and in hell lift up his eyes being in torments. Now, to dispel a couple beliefs and thoughts that people may have, First of all, this man was not in hell because he was a rich man. Some people have had that. Well, if you don't sacrifice everything here in this earth and live the life of a pauper, and if you have any money whatsoever and you're well-to-do, then, then you can't be living for God and you're just going to spend your life separated from Him in a place called hell. This man didn't go to hell because he was rich. This man went to hell because he had rejected and failed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as his eternal Savior. I want us also to understand that this matter of hell as we look at it in the Scriptures is not just a state of mind that you enter into. Some people will say that this is, and I by no means 
am I joking about this or laughing about it this afternoon? But some people will say that this is just hell on earth and that we are enduring that right now. May I say there's an element of truth to that, that for the saved person, really this is as bad as things will ever get. And it only gets better for the believer after death. But yet for that person that is unsaved and never trusts Christ as their personal Savior, and we'll look at the Scriptures here, may I say that this is as good as it gets. And this is literally heaven on earth to them because it only gets worse for all of eternity. And this is not the state of mind in which this rich man was in. But then may I also remind us, based upon the context of this Scripture, that it is not something that just comes and goes in a, in a certain period of time. In fact, the verbiage that is used here when it says in verse number 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes. It's not even a past tense that says he lifted up his eyes, but the verbiage that is used where it says he lift up his eyes, that is actually in the continual tense. That it's a continual lifting up his eyes and also the phrase being in torments. I want us to understand this afternoon that according to the scriptures that hell is a real place. And hell is a place, as we look at it, that I believe originally was not for mankind. And as we look at the scriptures, you say, well, where do you get that? Well, it's written in Matthew chapter number 25, as the Lord is given instruction here in Matthew 25, this is where we, we have the great statements that Jesus said, Naked you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. And those that did not, verse number 41, it says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. And look at this, prepared for the devil... And his angels. Now, we could go into several things about this subject matter of hell today, but I want us to say this because there's several misconceptions and people try to conform God to our understanding, and they'll make statements like this in our society today. Well, if, if hell is true and hell is a place which we believe according to the Bible is a true and literal place, then how could a loving God and how could a merciful God and how could a long-suffering God ever send someone to an eternal place of damnation like this? How could God send someone who has tried to do good works all of their life? How could God choose to send someone who has tried to help people and live a morally good life and really hasn't done anything to hurt anybody? How could a, a loving God ever send someone to a place that's described that's called hell? 
Well, may I remind us that hell's intention and preparation was not for mankind at the beginning. But I believe God set a place aside upon the fall of Satan and his angels and prepared a place for eternal judgment to cast Lucifer, the devil, that old slew-foot as he was called when I was growing up, the devil and his angels for eternal damnation and separation from Almighty God. But then it also took place that man chose to sin against Almighty God. I was thinking this week for those that believe that God has ordained some to heaven and chosen some for hell for all of eternity. In other words, saying that God would look over this congregation and say, I choose you for eternity and I elect you for salvation and you for salvation, but the rest are eternally damned and you're not part of the elect. And you can't get saved even if you desired to be saved. I'm saying, why is that? Why wouldn't God say that hell was prepared for the devil and the angels and for the unelect? It was prepared for the devil and his angels, but there are going to be multitudes that have made their decision not to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we're given the example here back in Luke chapter number 16 of what it is like to close your eyes in death on this side of eternity and to open your eyes in a place, as the Bible describes, burneth with fire and brimstone for all of eternity. And as we look at these verses of Scripture, may I say this, that there is no comfort in hell for eternity. He said here that he lift up his eyes being in torments. In fact, he was so much in torment, he was crying out in verse number 24. And he cried unto Abraham, Have mercy upon me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. May I remind us that this man who close to 2,000 years ago was crying out for a drop of water to be put upon his tongue to be able to relieve him from this pain and this torment is still today in the very pain and torment that he described in Luke chapter number 16. That has not ceased one bit. You say, Pastor, do you thrive on that? No, I don't. But we've gotten to a place here in America and especially in our churches that it was a few weeks ago we preached on that subject matter of sin and the end results and the consequences of sin but may I try to be just as plain as I was about the consequences and this matter and the end results of sin that if someone dies, draws their last breath and goes out into eternity without ever trusting Christ as their personal Savior, they are eternally separated from Almighty God and they will open their eyes in a place called hell. Now listen, that is the place of the damned. 
That is the place if you have rejected Christ. I'm not asking if you're a church member. I'm not asking if you've done good works. I'm not asking if you're trying to work your way there. But if you die without Christ, the Bible says this is your destination. You say, well, Pastor, I just, I just don't believe that there's a hell. Can I, can I say this? What if I were to look at you and say, I don't believe that my shirt is white today? You'd say, well, Pastor, that's just not true. Just because you think it's blue, just because you may think it's pink, doesn't change the color of the shirt. And can I say this? Just because you don't believe something doesn't mean that it's not true. And we look down through the Scriptures and he's crying out here and he's saying, listen, the torments that are there, it's a, la- it's, a, it's a place of no comfort for those that open their eyes and lift up their eyes in hell. The Bible also describes this place and, and we won't turn to a lot of passages of Scripture, but describes it as being cast into outer darkness. There's not only no comfort, but can I say this? Listen, there's no getting out of it either. I just want to give us biblical principles as we look down through here. But Abraham reminds him, listen, when you are there, you are not going to pass from there to heaven. And those in heaven are not going to pass down to where you're at. In other words, it's eternally too late. But I did see this as I read down through here. And probably one of the most unfortunate passages and portions and realities of what it will be like to be in hell is Abraham said unto this rich man, he said, remember. And can you imagine for all of eternity having to remember, first of all, not just the things that you had in this life, but remembering the reality of maybe the time you rejected Christ as your personal Savior. Of all the times that God was pricking and speaking to your heart and saying you need to be saved. You know you're not saved. You know you're not a child of God. And you sat in church services just like this week after week after week. And the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart saying, Hey, you just heard that testimony of that church young man that wasn't saved and just got it settled. And God speaking to your heart saying, You know that's you. You know you're not saved and you're wrestling with it and you're struggling with it. Can you imagine for all of eternity saying, I wish I had taken that opportunity and gotten salvation settled. I would not be where I am today. You will not have another opportunity when you close your eyes in death. Immediately the Bible says that the rich man died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes. May I remind us of this, and regardless of what background of religion you may have, listen, there is no holding place according to the Scripture. There is no place that you're going to go to and you're just going to wait to see if your loved ones will pray enough prayers or give enough money or do enough good works for you to be delivered from purgatory. There is no middle ground. The Apostle Paul said as he was writing to the church at Corinth, he said, I would rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. There is no intermediate place that you just go and hang out for a while to be able to see and have your works weighed out, to be able to see if you've done enough or your family's done enough. Not according to Scripture. Not according to the Bible. It's a place of eternal torments.
It's a place of memory. Can I say this? It's a, it's a place of burden. Do you know who the greatest soul winners would be today if they had the opportunity? It would be those that are described right here in Luke chapter number 16. Do you understand when the reality settled in? That Abraham looked at this rich man. And listen, can I remind us of this? There is no word. Uh, there's no word and mention of his name whatsoever. Lazarus, we're given a name. I believe you're just forgotten for eternity. But the greatest burden that he had when the reality settled in that, listen, there is no way out. He did say this. He said, I've got five brethren. And do you understand this was one family reunion that this man did not want to have take place? He was in such a torment. He was so separated. He was still understanding where he was at. And when that reality settled in, he said, would you please send Lazarus? Would you go to my home and be able to give them this message? You know why? Do you understand what he was saying is I never want to see my brothers again. Because in order for him to see his brothers, they would have to go to where he was at. And he said, would you give them this message? He said, lest they also come to this place. And here's what Abraham said to him. He said, listen. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. You know what he was saying to him? They have the scripture. Do you understand this? And he would say, no, if someone would come back from the dead and be able to testify to him, they'll believe him. Well, guess what? There's been one that came back from the dead and they don't believe him. There is one. We're going to celebrate him on April the 17th that up from the grave he arose and the Bible says that he was seen of them and at one time he was seen of over 500 brethren. But you know something? There was still those deniers. There were still those that said it's not true. But what Abraham said to him is, listen, they got the scriptures. And you know what that tells me? Listen, there is enough in this Bible right here to be able to save a soul for all of eternity. I, I don't need someone to come back from the dead, even though I'm thankful that Jesus did. That's how we have eternal salvation today. But we've got the word of God, which means if you'll simply believe what the Bible says in the scriptures, guess what? That's enough to be able to deliver us. He didn't say some other book. They have Moses and the prophets. The burden that this rich man had for others in his own family. I've heard this message preached and I've had some thoughts as I've come down through here and I simply thought about having a burden but too late. Having a burden but too late. Oh, how he wished. I wonder how many times he got witnessed to. I wonder how many times that he got told about Jesus. I'm not sure what his lifestyle was, but let me say this. It wasn't his money that put him in hell. It was his lack of relationship and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what caused him to live there. That's what caused him to have that burden, lest they also come into this place of torment. Listen, it is not a place that was designed for human beings to go. It was a place that was designed for the devil and his angels. But may I say this, it is the place that those without Christ, those that say, I, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, 
I've been praying for a few weeks on this passage of Scripture, on this subject matter. And you say, Pastor, is it because you believe that there's people here that aren't saved? No, I didn't know who was going to be here when God put this on my heart and said, this is the day you're preaching it. I didn't sit here. I made mention of it last Sunday afternoon. I didn't sit back here and say, let me see who walked in today and be able to change my message for that. I know it's not an encouraging message. The only encouragement that I get from this is I'm not going to hell. That's the only encouragement that I receive from reading a passage of Scripture like this. But every day of my life, I walk by those in my community that I know if they were to draw their last breath, that's where they'll be. And the reality of this, Brother Shepherd's told me, and I've tried to encourage and learn from this, he said, he said God had led him when he was pastor and he said for nine weeks in a row, was it nine weeks, Brother Shepherd? Nine weeks in a row he preached on hell in the church. And he said, then I was wondering, why is everybody so discouraged? Why is everybody so down? He said, then I started thinking about it. He said, and God led me to preach a different message. He said, God brought us out a little bit. Can I say this? We're to the point now, and it's, it's unfortunate, it comes right back to me, we just don't want to sit in church and hear about this place. I want us to turn over to Revelation chapter 20. We closed this out in December of this past year as we were preaching through and doing some teaching down through the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter number 20, as time is preparing to come to a close and God tells us about this and we're getting ready to enter eternity here in the end of Revelation. He says in verse 11, he said, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. May I say this, the only temporary holding place, and we read it from the scriptures, is not a place called purgatory, but it is a place called hell. Now when we get here to Revelation chapter number 20, the Bible says that all that are in hell are going to be given up to stand before God and one final judgment. And the Bible says in death and hell and whosoever was not found written in the book of life, all of them were cast into the lake of fire. May I say at this time, according to other passages of Scripture, that there are going to be those that will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, listen, they'll have the right title. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? 
Have we not done this in thy name? Have we not cast out devil? Have we not done many wonderful and marvelous works? I've done this and done this. And the Lord will look at him and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Do you know that solidifies and that ties in right here with Revelation chapter number 20? Listen, they're going to be judged according to their works. They can throw up all the good works that they desire, that they've accomplished, and try to give all of them to the Lord Jesus, but their works won't save them. And if their works could save them, then why did Jesus die on the cross? Now, can I say this? This is not just a doomsday message, but I, I, we need our church to understand we believe that hell is real. We believe that hell is a literal place. And it is absolutely a place that I desire for nobody to go to. It is not the world has used this into a, into a curse word to where we are so desensitized to it. I've never watched one thing of it, but there are television programs that are out there that are magnifying and calling it Lucifer. They're calling all of these things and they're just trying to get people not to be afraid of it and take the fear away from it. Let me remind us, there ought to be a fear of dying and going to a place like this without Christ. But listen, the reality is, if you're here today, you don't have to go there. And your loved ones and your friends and your co-workers, they have a choice on where they go for eternity. Now, if you go sit in some churches, they'll tell you there is no choice about it. Well, I'm just predestined to go to hell or I'm predestined to go to heaven. Isn't it amazing that most that you come in contact with, they're all predestined to go to heaven. That's not Bible. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God will draw us and will convict our hearts and then we have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Do you understand that what took place on the cross of Calvary almost 2,000 years ago as the Lord Jesus Christ literally hung between heaven and earth took our entire separation from God, the penalty of sin, all of our sin was poured into his body and he became that for you and I and he paid for my sin. Do you understand in order for you to pay for your sin, it will take eternal separation from God and there is no end to it. And that's all that Jesus took in himself while hanging on that cross. He paid that price. Do you know what you and I need today? Forgiveness. I'm not asking if you want a fire escape out of hell. There's a lot of people that get a fire escape. They get a 911 for the Lord Jesus. But listen, we are in need of forgiveness from Almighty God because we're sinners. I'm not saying even as a two-year-old you prayed a little prayer with your parents. I'm talking about you realized you were a sinner and you realized you needed Jesus and He's the only one that could make a difference in your life and you called upon Him. I'm afraid at this day 
to see those who will plead their case before the Lord. But Lord, I taught Sunday school. But Lord, I was a deacon. But Lord, I was a pastor. I proclaimed the word of God. I grew up in church. I was there day in and day out. We lived at the church. We were always around it. My dad was a pastor. My dad was a deacon. My mom served in the church and plead their case. I am afraid and burdened for Granite State Baptist Church on who we may see on this day right here pleading their case before the Lord. And the Lord have to say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But Lord, I'm just a teenager. And Lord, you can't hold me responsible. Yes, he can. And may I go back to our original statement? How could a loving, long-suffering, merciful God? Hey, listen, if you close your eyes in death this evening... And wake up in hell. It'll be from your choice that you chose not to accept Christ today. It'll be your choice. Well, I've just always been around it. That reason doesn't work. Call upon the name of the Lord. Hey, if you have to come to me and try to convince me on when you got saved... Maybe you're trying to convince yourself more than you are me. I know this. I know I'm saved. I remember the day I called upon the Lord. You say, Pastor, are you trying to talk us out of it today? No, I'm not trying to do a thing. I'm just trying to say we still believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I remember that first day we showed up in Alabama, Miss Dale, and we were sitting on the second row. And I don't think she'd ever been in a service like that. And there were a few others. And I took them right down there to the second row. Brother Jordan, you were there for it. And we're sitting on the second row. And that family from South Louisiana got up there and started singing a song. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. And them old boys that just enjoy shouting and carrying on. And you can Google that song. There's a song out there. I'm not going to hell. Family, sing it. And they're, they're just thankful for it. And they got to hooting and horn and shouting. You say, what were they so excited about? Because first of all, they realize this place is real. And second of all, because of Jesus, we don't have to go there. And can I encourage you today, if you're not 100% sure, get it settled. Call upon the Lord. We could call out for testimonies. I tell you, when someone who gets it settled, boy, there's just a peace that comes into the heart. Isn't there a peace? Just a peace when you get it settled. And when we get peace instead of pride, boy, God just settles it in our hearts. I'm just saying, listen, church, this is the reason we exist. This is the reason we're in Concord. If heaven's not real, if hell's not real, what are we even witnessing for? What are we even sharing the gospel for? Isn't there plenty of other things that we could go do if this isn't true? 
But here's the thing. This is real. And I think we just needed to remember this afternoon we believe the Bible. We believe it. It's not a joyous message. I told you the only joy I get out of it is my name's written in the book of life. And I just wonder if I would ask you, if you were to have a three by five card or a little piece of paper, and I would ask you, what percentage are you sure that you're saved? Would you be able to write down, I'm 90% sure that I'm saved? If I were to die right now, I know that I'd spend eternity with Jesus. I'm, I'm 90%, I'm 95%, I'm 98%. It's not going to do it. These things write I unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Hell's real. There's a rich man that is still crying out for a drop of water. And I don't want that to be you. And I don't want that to be anybody in our community. But we have the answer for it. We have the answer. It's Jesus. We have the answer. And he's the answer for your life too.